Hi, I'm Matthew Vandergeesen, and this is The Embodiment Project. One of the essential questions I explore in The Embodiment Project is how can we be in our bodies, in ourselves, and still be in the world? It seems like so often we're trading one off for the other. How do we take that exploration of being in ourselves and being more authentically into the world, not just into specialized practices, but taking it into things we can do in everyday life. In today's podcast, we're going to explore what it's like to look at our body experience through the lens of holding and being held and how they have a deep circular relationship to each other. So let's start with the most primal experience that allows us to know that the world is actually there, the sensations of our contact with the world. Now, there's a growing body of understanding about how much sensation gives us a sense of our identity, and it helps locate us in the world, but it also provides nurturance that feeds our sense of who we are. Developmental psychology reminds us that how we are held in the gaze of another allows us to feel seen and allows our implicit essential self to start to emerge into the world. This also happens at a sensory level. The quality of how we engage with the world and are engaged by the world tells us something very essential about ourselves, creating a space where the essences of ourself can feel received enough to emerge into the world. When we experience trauma, the opposite of that happens. We experience sensation that doesn't receive us, that doesn't feel like it sees or meets with us, that is either overwhelming, too much, or it's not there, abandonment. In either case, we are deprived of the sensory nurturance that our being requires to nurture its sense of self and to locate itself in the world. And as we know from sensory deprivation experiments, for the lack of that information, we can actually dissipate in our sense of ourselves over a fairly short period of time, losing our sense of our identity both in physical body and in our psychological being. With too much sensory input, for example, with physical abuse or sexual violations, we can lose our sense of self as we withdraw from our body, losing a clear sense of where we are in our body. People who have experienced overwhelming sensations from trauma can sometimes describe themselves as floating up in the air, perhaps observing from a corner of the room. So experiencing sensory identity as it is reflected back to you from surfaces becomes an important part of building your identity as an organism and as a relational organism, one that is exploring how its essence, how my essence can come with integrity, with a sense of connection to the deepest possible senses of myself. And that commitment of self brings the possibility that the deep sense of the self in the world that we are meeting with has a chance to feel like it might be met by us and come out into the world. This is where the deepening of relationship happens, 
where the integrity of my sensate being creates an opportunity for the life of the world to be called forth more deeply. So let me give you an example of how that works in my clinical practice. So the origin of my work was originally massage. And over the years, I discovered that I was going to get better results with the person on the table when I allowed my hands to create space for their body, allowing them to fill and meet with my touch. Now, this is very different than the kind of touch from the classical form of massage where you're taught to manually manipulate the soft tissues of the body. Very much the opposite of that. I'm receiving the person at a very physical, sensate level, and the more that I can allow myself to receive them, to be touched by them through my hands, a kind of touch experience forms in which the essential capacities of the person I'm working with have a chance to start to awaken and respond. The primal ways in which their body knows how to move actually come out of a latency or a stuckness and start to reorganize. And that stuckness, the tensions, the pains, the fascial fixations, the fluid coagulations that are in a person's body, the essential beingness that organizes a person's body starts to awaken and respond more fully to a touch that receives it. My work is simply to create a holding which allows space for the other person. Now the same thing happens in other aspects of life. If I reach for a cup, I can touch the cup, I can handle it, feeling the qualities of the cup, the places where there's paint and roughnesses from the image that is created on the cup, the glassiness perhaps of its surface. But just as I described the use of touch in my massage clinic, as I reach and feel the cup, I can also allow it to move into my hand, to feel its heat and how it affects my skin, to allow my body to receive it, and then to feel the possibilities of response, of a movement that my body wants to make out of experiencing that cup. For example, instead of gripping the cup, moving it and manipulating it, a hand that receives the cup might start to experience the quality of the cup as a whole, what we might call it its cupness. And in feeling that, my hand might start to reorganize so that now it becomes a hand that supports and allows me to experience what it is like to be receiving this cup. And as I allow my body to respond, to be organized in response to the sensory information that comes into me from a deepened sense of what is this cup and how does my being want to reorganize itself in its deepened experience of this moment with this cup. Now, in every aspect of life, every time that we allow ourselves to feel what is there, to experience the other person, then our bodies, our beings, start to reorganize on the basis of that information and form a way of engagement which moves continually towards a more congruent, more responsive interaction. 
My response slowly deepens my ability to receive what is the cupness of that cup, the essence of the cup in this moment. And as I do that, I'm able to receive it even more, to allow it to come into my hand a bit more. And interestingly, with this continually deepening interplay between receiving and being moved to deepened response, even a cup can start to have a particular sense of its beingness, of the quality that is its particular essence. And even more so, if it's a dog or a person you're engaging with, as you shift and respond to it, its beingness, its physicality, its organism starts to feel within itself how it can open and shift just like the person on my massage table. The essence of that being's organization, how it might really want to be in response to this moment, can start to move into the interactive space that has been created by me allowing it to be there. Now in each instance, this way of allowing the cup to be there that comes from holding it or from holding a child in our gaze allows it to emerge and be more there. Allowing the cup to be here comes through the receptive quality of my holding, through allowing the sensations to inform my being. And as I am in relationship with another, if that other person is going to allow it to happen, then a deepening continues to happen. What really wants to happen in the relationship begins to emerge to this moment. And we are more likely to move through the stuckness, and just like the person on the table, a reorganization towards a more congruent relationship happens, not just internally, but also in our capacity to interact with the world. The quality of holding becomes an essential part of how we meet with surfaces and helps inform us into a reorganized sense of how we are in the world. Now, an important determinant of our ability to move into a holding or receiving relationship is our tolerance for sensory information. So one of the things I talk about in the embodiment project often is how we need to find the balance of being in our body and being in the world. Now, being in your body and in the world means that on one hand, you are allowing the world to be there, allowing that cup to be there as fully as it can be in this moment. But what's implicit in that is that we also need to have enough of a sense of ourselves in our own bodies to be able to receive that information. The more we have disorganization within ourselves, perhaps because of injuries or perhaps because of habits, of ways of being in the world that we've kind of calcified in our limitations of physical, psychological, and emotional response, or that may have been informed by injuries of different types, that to the extent that these have been disorganizing experiences, our capacity to respond becomes limited. And we start trying to control the amount of information that comes in because we have a limited capacity to process it and respond to it. So it is possible 
that my exploration of receiving the cup might actually bring a deep reaction within me. It might manifest itself as a very quiet disappearing as my mind goes someplace else. I might lose interest in some sensory enhancing practice perhaps, my yoga practice, and wonder why I stopped doing it after a period of time. And by making myself disappear, it is a way that I buffer the amount of sensory information that comes in to a being that doesn't know how to process it. So how do we work with that challenge to our being where our limitations of organization interrupt our capacity to receive the world? When I don't feel held, it makes it very difficult to locate myself. There isn't enough of me to be there to receive the world. And just as I can't cook in a broken pot, I can't hold if I don't feel held. So surfaces also become an important place to explore the experience of being held. Now, you might explore the sensory experience of sitting in this moment, for example. Notice the surface you are in contact with wondering perhaps how much is this thing that's holding me there for me? How much do I know that it's there? What are the sensations that tell me that? How much do I allow myself to feel the quality, or in the case of the chair I'm sitting on right now, the particular cushions in the sofa? How much does it give to the weight of my body? Where are the contacts? How do I know that this experience of sitting is actually happening? What are the sensations that inform these different qualities of awareness? Now, every time that I explore an awareness of the world, I don't just allow it to emerge to my awareness, but my exploration of my sensory relationship to it allows me to start to explore how much I know that it is actually there for me. So as I explore the contact with the surfaces around me, the sensory field that lets me know that this sofa is there, or that it's not a hard chair, and that as I allow myself to explore what's there, I start to notice how much I actually let that surface be there for me. To notice that perhaps a part of me is tensing and holding myself up a little bit. That it doesn't fully allow me to let down, doesn't fully let me know the experience of the sofa. How many times as you're engaging with someone, have you found yourself on the edge of a chair, just ready to go, your mind half somewhere else? What would it be like in that moment to ask yourself, how do I know that this chair is here? It might help create a sense of location in this world that allows you to be a little bit more in your body and therefore able to receive just a little more of the person you're engaging with. And even if you notice how much you still don't drop in, how much you still might be lifting up off the chair or the sofa, that becomes an important piece of sensory information. The quality of sensory experience that lets you know you're holding up off the sofa allows you to acknowledge the sensory reality of the moment, to hold your experience a little bit more, 
to say to yourself, ah, I see you just as you are. With that quality of noticing, there might be a little part of you that responds, shifting a little bit, or perhaps there's a little bit of a breath that wants to happen and some unexpected reorganization might occur in your body. But even if there isn't a shift that happens, you're still a little more aware of how you really are in this moment. You're a little more informed about the quality of your engagement and perhaps that awareness informs the conversation where you might actually say, oh, I notice I'm really on the edge of my chair right now. And perhaps something shifts in the conversation with the acknowledgement of that moment that allows you to be a little more present, perhaps a little more heard by the person you're talking to, that a little more of the truth of what is actually happening in this moment might then allow you to allow the possibility in the next moment to emerge to allow the reorganization that creates space for essential beingness to start to come a little bit more into the room and into the relationship. Here's where the interaction of an internal and external meet as a sensory experience, allowing your responses to the sensations of surfaces allows you to start to notice the sensations of your internal organization. Being present to an internal sensation, say one that tells you that your breath is stopped or how you're holding in your back, becomes an important information source for allowing you to be a little more present to yourself and a little bit more able to be present to the person or the situation that you're in relationship with. So let's come back to our cup again for a moment. The more that I know that there is a particular tension along my spine, the more that awareness influences the quality of my movement as I reach forward and engage with the cup. It starts to shift the way I move, the way I respond as I lift the cup that allows more of that tense back that has been stopped in its experience of engagement to participate. More of me has a chance to participate even if it's from the place where the sensations are the stuckness in my back. It too is allowed to be part of the experience. It too then informs the way that my cup moves. It is invited into the dance of relationship, both with the world that I'm meeting with in surfaces like the cup, the couch that I'm sitting on, and internally. Perhaps my spine starts to move a little more fluidly in relationship to the couch, which then allows the feeling of the couch holding me to be there more, and then might allow me to be a little bit more who I really am in my engagement with the person I'm speaking to, not just quietly suppressing some part of me that doesn't know how to be fully there, not knowing how to fully include it in this moment. And perhaps my breath shifts as I allow my spine to participate more. I might more fully feel myself. And sometimes I might just feel that holding along my spine start to shift and reorganize. Now, in an example like 
this holding, which has a sense of receiving what is there and being held, where we start to explore how much we allow ourselves to be received in life, can be seen as two essential balancing pieces of information. To the extent that I can feel held, to let myself be present to what is really there for me in this world, to feel my relationship to it, how much I let it be there, that awareness allows me to hold, to be a little more present to the truth of myself, and perhaps a little more able to be present to what is there, to each moment of engagement from the truth of who I am in this moment. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be me in this moment. It just has to be how you feel yourself. And as you do, each moment of that just being present to where you really are, that moment shifts. It might break the spell a bit of the loop of stuck movement, the loop of the stuck moment. It allows the possibility of moving from a surface way of manipulating the world, playing out the old scripts embedded with unconscious tension and resistance, to allowing the other to inform your response. And through that response, allowing more of yourself to be present to the world. So I'd invite you to see how many places you can find that experience of holding, of being held and to explore questions like, how much am I able to let that be there? What is the quality of my interaction? What is the truth of my experience in my body in this moment? So that in experiencing the sensory truth of this moment, you then allow space for what wants to happen next. These podcasts are inspired by The Embodiment Project, an online community that explores the movement of sensory information into everyday life experience. You can find out more about The Embodiment Project by going to somatics.ca, my website, S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S dot C-A. And I look forward to meeting with you next time. Thank you.